I'm Eric. I'm Lucas. And we are the Modern Agronomists. We are putting a modern spin on an old industry. Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Agronomist. Today we're interviewing Derek Sippel. Derek's from St. Cloud, Wisconsin, and he is a giant pumpkin grower. So today we're talking about pumpkins. So Derek, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on today, guys, and uh, I'm excited to talk to you and fill you in on how we grow these giant pumpkins. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I uh, work on a dairy farm with my dad, family operation. Um, we milk about 115 cows. Um, we farm just under 1,000 acres, and uh, we do you know a little bit of cash cropping. We uh, raise our steers out. So uh, Kind of do all that kind of stuff, keeps me pretty busy, and then uh, I kind of got into giant pumpkin growing on the side, and I uh, kind of started out just doing, you know, jack-o'-lantern pumpkins, things like that, and kind of escalated into giant pumpkins, and uh, that's really where I found the most enjoyment. Um, I uh, got some giant pumpkin seeds from a local grower, and uh, planted them about, I think this was about six years ago I started doing this, and... Uh, once I saw how fast they grow and how big they grow, I was kind of hooked and and uh, really tried to compete with some of the best growers in the world. So that initial startup, did that friend of yours or that other guy, did he have to kind of help you out with some of the just basics, I guess? Yeah, he was. Uh, he really helped me out a lot and kind of pointed me in the right direction of where I can find out uh, more information. And experience is one of the best things you can have with growing giant pumpkins because there's so much that can go wrong and so much that goes into it. Um, it was, you know, nice to have someone close by that I could bounce things off of. And, you know, uh, there's actually a club, the Wisconsin Giant Pumpkin Growers, and uh, that was a good resource as well to kind of um, help help get me uh, competitive. So do you collaborate with a number of different people across the state that are in this group or just your contact? Yeah, no, it, uh, it really has evolved into, you know, we have – a club with 200 members so you know usually there's not someone too far from you growing these and uh, we do patch tours every year there's a spring seminar that you can go to just to get more information on it and kind of see what some of the guys who had success last year what they did to kind of set themselves ahead of the rest of everybody and you know there's like there really isn't secrets to growing giant pumpkins. Everyone's very forward with their information and, uh, you know, just wants Wisconsin to be the best pumpkin growing state. So, you know, there's, there's not secrets per se, but, uh, you know, we like to share information. So after, what's the main, main end game here for display to take out to different organizations and events, or is that kind of what the big thing is for that then? Yeah, I guess uh, kind of. You know, the way off is the big thing. So we want to get the pumpkin to a way off. And I believe there's five or six way offs in the state of Wisconsin, kind of starting in the middle of September, going, you know, to mid-October. And, you know, you just want to have the biggest one. Um, some, some people will grow for color. Most people grow for size. You know, sometimes when they get really big, they'll get this, like, pale pink color and um, sometimes you can get some that are really bright orange. So some people really like to, to grow for, for color. Um, you know, for me, it's going to the way off, and then we just kind of take it on tour a little bit, you know, kind of like showing off a trophy buck. I always like to say, you load it up, 
we go around to bars, schools, um, fall events. Um, anyone interested in, in displaying it um, is kind of what we do. How, how big are we talking here? <laughs> so these pumpkins can weigh um, over 2,000 pounds. Jeez. Um, the uh, state record right now is 2,283 pounds, and the North American record is 2,528 pounds. And then the world record actually is not in the United States, but in Belgium, and that's 2624. So um, personally, my personal best is 2047. And then, uh, you know, I had a couple 18-pounders, 1,800-pounders, a couple 1,600-pounders. But uh, I say once you get over that 2,000 mark, you're, you're big time. So you're not, you're not that far off then from I, state. I'm not that far off, but sometimes those those last uh, hundred pounds are the hardest to get. So let's dive into the growing the the actual pumpkin. So kind of give us a timeline from beginning to end. Maybe some of the key things that you do or practices you do to get a giant pumpkin. Sure. So the biggest thing you need when you're starting to grow giant pumpkins is the seed. These are not you know your typical jack o' lantern pumpkins. Um, these are a special seed from an Atlantic giant, it's called. So, you know, seeds are very important and where, where you're getting them. Um, the best place to get seeds is from someone who has grown them before. Um, if you join the Wisconsin Giant Pumpkin Growers, I believe it's before April 1st, you can, they will send you seeds. So that, that's a big thing when you start. You need to have the right seeds. And, uh, you know, you always try to grow the seed from the biggest pumpkin the previous year. And I believe that's the biggest thing, just, you know, through genetics, we've come to a point where we're growing these monsters, and it's, you know, just because we're always using seed from the biggest pumpkin. So you're saving your seed from the previous year. Yeah, yep, yep. So I always like to save my seed, and, you know, I like to grow seeds that were were grown in Wisconsin. So, I mean, there's growers all over the United States, and, you know, we network, and you can get seeds from them. But uh, I like to stay with, uh, you know, seeds that were grown in Wisconsin. I just feel like they grow best in our environment, and that's what we should stick with. Um, and, you know, this, the genetic potential in pumpkins, we haven't maxed out yet. We don't know, you know. They say, like, corn is like seven, 800 bushels, you know. And, uh, but with pumpkins, we, we don't know what the max is yet, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So I would say, to start, you got to get some seeds. Um, and then... Uh, once you get those, you know, you can kind of start to plan out where you're going to plant them. Um, one of the first things you got to do is probably, you know, find out where you're going to put them, get a soil test. Um, you want to pick a spot with full sun, you know, some good drainage. Um, you're going to need a lot of water, so you're going to need access to water. Um, you know, and each plant will take up like a 30 by 30 area. So, Quite a bit of room. Mm -hmm. So I usually grow two plants. Um, that, that fills up my time pretty good. Um, but they, they take up quite a bit, bit of space. And then uh, I guess once you get that figured out, you know, I usually start my seeds the first or second week in April, kind of depending on what the weather's doing outside. Um, you don't want to be too early because if, you know, the ground temp is cool and you put a pumpkin out there, um, it's not really going to work very well. So um, I start indoors you know, second week in April, um, and uh, I soak the seeds about one hour just in water, and then uh, I put them in a moist paper towel and a baggie and put them in actually a chicken egg incubator at uh, 85 degrees, and uh, usually 
two to three days that you can just see that little tap root start coming out of there, and that's when I put them in two-gallon pots. So they, they hang out in my basement for uh, about three or four weeks then. Um, <laughs> they, they grow very fast, so they will, you know, outgrow a two-gallon pot, you know, four weeks, and they'll start getting root-bound. So you kind of got to have your, your timeline together, and uh, that first, second week in May, you know, be ready to put them outside. Are you uh, are you putting them in the same same plot every year? Or are you are you rotating to a different ground at all, or do you worry about that? Yeah, so that's that's a big thing. I think if you're able, you know, rotation is key. If you have the room, you know, and you can, you know, move your patch around every year. I would say if you can move it every three years, you know, um, that would be good. But not everyone can do that, so you kind of got to work with what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, me personally, I do have a little space, you know, we got plenty of farm fields around the house that I can stick them in. And, uh, I like to, you know, do a lot of cover cropping and stuff, just kind of let it rest, um, when I'm not growing on it, if I can. Um, but yeah. So I suppose like any, like any other crop, worrying about disease and that's why you're kind of trying to move it around a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Pumpkins are kind of wimpy that way. They, you know, they don't have a triple stack on them or anything (laughs) like that. Uh, you know, but, uh, they, they're very prone to disease and insect pressure and stuff like that. So, you know, later on we can kind of get into the, the disease and insect management of, of what we, what we do to, to protect them a little bit. So you get them in a pot and you get them outside and that usually is first or second week of May, you said, what, what are you doing to mitigate their growing environment if, per se, we get a cold spring like we had last year? What did you have to do to combat those cold temperatures? Yeah, so we're constantly battling Mother Nature, and we got to try to prepare ourselves for whatever she's going to throw at us. So, you know, um, I like to put little uh, hoop houses, we call them, um, over the place I'm going to plant the seedlings in the ground. Um, it's basically just some PVC um, in, in kind of a half circle and then clear plastic over the top. Um, and, and it's seven by 10 foot. So it's not very big, just enough to kind of protect it a little bit. And, uh, I just put a little heater inside of there if I know it's going to get below freezing at night. And, uh, this year I'm trying some soil heating cables to kind of get that ground temperature where I want it. Um, cause you know, the faster we can get these things started and to grow, I mean, that's just all advantage, you know, if you, if you can get them going right away, like last year, you know, I, I put them out and the plant just sat there for like two weeks and did nothing. And then, you know, it kind of got a little yellow and uh, it's like, oh man, and it doesn't look so good, but I was able to turn it around yet. Uh, but yeah, if you want the soil to warm up and try to control the environment as much as you can, um, when you, when you put it in the ground. How warm do they need to be? when through that cold environment how warm are you are you trying to maintain your temperature too you know it it's pretty easy to keep it during the day with those little covers on somewhere around 85 degrees i'd say is optimal pumpkin temperature okay. i mean once you get over that you know they don't really like it either um you know you get 90 degree days they're not really into that but uh you got you know if if you get below 50 then they they uh you know start to yell a little bit maybe don't put on too much growth how are you handling your fertilizer? I mean, with being on a dairy farm, you put any manure on them at all or commercial fertilizer? How do you do that? Yeah, I, I do because I, I use cow manure because I am applying it, you know, 
two years before I'm growing on that spot. And that gives it time to become available to the plant. Um, but if, if you don't have that, I would say just use compost. You know, that, that's going to be available a lot sooner that the plant can use it and take it up. Um, but having good compost, I would say, is one of the best things that you can put down to, uh, to improve your growing. Um, so that, you know, there's a couple things I always say, you know, you need to have the right seed, good compost, um, water it. I mean, if you can do those things, um, you know, you can definitely grow a giant pumpkin. Mm -hmm. So after, so after you get her in the ground and we start getting into, let's say, middle of May, how, how quick do these things take off? I mean, I've seen pumpkins, you know, we've grown them in a garden or whatever, just regular ones. And it, I mean, it's just a viney mess everywhere. Is that kind of the same? Yeah. So once those vines, you know, that vine lays down and starts taking off, I mean, these things are growing feet per day. You know, it. The, you can see like, I mean, the the main vine we call it. So this is the vine that comes right off the plant. Uh, it's the first one, the biggest one. You know, that's the one we really watch. That main vine is important. So once that guy lays down and starts running, um, it'll start shooting side vines off it. So if you can kind of picture the main vine is running straight and then teeing off are these side vines. And we kind of organize it. You know, usually, like you said, when you see pumpkins, it just gets kind of messy. There's vines everywhere, crisscrossing. But we really like to kind of um, put them where we want them and, it, it, you know, make a nice grid. And uh, we do a lot of intensive pruning on these things. You know, otherwise, it's just going to grow a bunch of plant. And we our main goal is to grow pumpkins. So, you know, once it fills in its area, you know, we start pruning it, cutting extra vine off, and things will things will get pretty crazy if you say like you just don't go out and check it for a week. You'll come back and stuff will just be growing everywhere, you know. <laughs> nope. But yeah, it's uh, so any of those side shoots coming off. That's what you'd be pruning then. Yeah, um, we we leave one secondary vine, but uh, the tertiaries we call them are the ones coming off the the secondary vines. We prune all those, so it's the main vine. And then the secondary vines are usually what uh, we're growing on. And the reason that main vine is so important is because that's where we're going to be pollinating the pumpkin. You know, that, that's the one we want to set the fruit on. So we're going to make sure we take care of them and we know which one that is. How do you identify, I mean, I'm not very versed in this, so <laughs> if I ask a foolish question, you might have to take it out. But how do you decide which one you want to pollinate or... I mean, are there more areas to pollinate? Is there multiple? How do you pick one? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really good question. Um, so there's there's quite a few factors that go into it. Probably most important is timing. You know, when do you get it pollinated? So the plant will only shoot female blossoms on maybe every other leaf node. Um, so, you know, you're going to need a female blossom. That's your pumpkin. And you want it to be at least, I would say, 10 feet out on the main vine. So you want to be on the main vine, 10 feet out. And then it also kind of depends how many side vines you have behind that pumpkin. So the more plants you have behind your pumpkin, the more juice you're going to have pushing to it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a, a ratio you got to figure out. How much plant can I grow to get a 2,000-pound pumpkin? How much do I need, you know? Um, so... It's, it's kind of monitoring that, and then we look at the pumpkin itself. You know, what position is it on the vine? Um, 
is the shape all right? How many lobes does it have is a big one. Um, so those are, those are all kind of things we watch. And like I said, you, you want to be around that uh, June, mid-June is when you want to pollinate. Um, that's hard to do um, to get enough plant growth on, in that amount of time, but that's kind of what uh, the big dogs are targeting now. Um, but uh, I would say once you get into early July, your window is closing um, to get to get over that 2,000 pound, pound mark. So. so how are you doing the pollinating? Are you relying on bees pollinators or are you doing it yourself? So we are self-pollinating these. Um, you know, like I said, genetics are a big thing, so we really try to track that. Um, so we can kind of tell the morning that that flower is going to open. So we'll usually cover it or um, I, I put a little baggie over the top of it. Um, just because those bees, they'll get there before you, you know, that you got to be pretty quick. Um, so I'll cover it with a bag the, the morning I know it's going to open, and you can kind of tell the flower starts to to get a little orange tint to it, and you're like, okay, tomorrow morning's the day. Um, and the plant will shoot both female and male flowers. So the female, you'll, you'll be able to tell, have a little um, yellow ball at the bottom of it, and then... Uh, you take your male flower in the morning it opens. You want a fresh male flower to it with good pollen. And uh, you, it only opens for a couple hours. So you, you kind of got to be on it. And, uh, you know, you once it opens, you basically just stick the male flower in and it's it's a done deal. And then we cover it back up. Uh, I usually just use a zip tie to close the flower back shut. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's there's a lot that goes into that and, you know, you don't want to miss the pollination or if it's really hot out, you know, it'll abort and it won't, you know, it won't pollinate. So that it's, it's a pretty critical time um, that, that you really want to make sure you hit. So after that pollination period, let's just say your fruit sets, at that point you really don't want the plant vegetatively to get much bigger. You want it to feed what's been pollinated? Yeah, so pretty much all the growth after – or. How can I say this? Um, all the growth before the pumpkins. So, you know, all of your plant before the pumpkins is pollinated, you pretty much terminate all that. You don't want anything else to grow there. But after the pumpkin is where, uh, you know, you can still let some vine growth if, you're, if your 30 by 30 area is still kind of filling in. Um, but it, the plant growth is really going to slow down. And you can tell it's like a switch. All of a sudden the plant just decides, hey, we're growing pumpkin now. And it just starts pumping to that and your vine growth and everything else will slow down. So I don't know, that, that's kind of hard to, did I say it all right, or did, yeah, I, did no, I get it back? that was good. It. How much, uh, you mentioned having access to water. Do these take a ton of water, or, or how often are you watering? Yeah, so weather's a big thing, obviously. You know, you got you to gotta play with the rain a little bit, but, you know, we can water anywhere from 50 gallons to 150 gallons in a day. So, and that's every day. Um, wow. And, you know, they take a lot of water and that, you know, you can add all the fertilizer and stuff you want, but if you aren't watering it properly or getting it enough moisture, um, you know, you're not, you're not going to put growth on. And that's also kind of a double-edged sword because you put too much, well, then you're going to increase your chance of rot, um, stuff like that. So, I mean, you want to always keep the soil moist, but, you know, you don't want to flood it out either. Something we deal with then 
weeds? How are you taking care of the weeds? Are you hand weeding? Are you spraying? Are you using chemical? How, how are you taking care of that? I'm sure that's got to be kind of a main obstacle as well. Yeah, so, I mean, our soil's pretty jacked up. So pumpkins like it. Weeds really like it. Uh, it's, it's a constant battle. And uh, it's mostly just hand weeding. There's uh, some growers out there that uh, get pretty gutsy with the glyphosate and maybe will go in between vines and stuff, but uh, I never had good luck with that, so I kind of stay away from that. I would say you've got to be pretty experienced to try a move like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, mostly just, just hand weeding. I got a little stirrup hole. I'll go in between um, vines. and You don't want to do a lot of disturbance. Those pumpkin roots are pretty close to the surface, so... I'd say the best part is just to get them early. If you let it get away on you, like anything weeding, you know, it just just makes it that much harder. Mm-hmm. So is there a specific way you water these pumpkins? I mean, are you just putting on a sprinkler, letting it run, and you know you're pumping X amount of gallons per minute and let it run for a certain time length? Or are you dribbling water around the outside and in between the vines? Yeah, so the easiest way I would say to do it is probably just with an overhead sprinkler. Um, and that's what I use. I use an impact sprinkler, you know, so um, those seem to work a little better in windier conditions, you know, puts the water where you want it. Um, so I'm usually running two or three of those at a time, um, usually watering in the morning. Um, and then the other kind of way to do it is with uh, drip irrigation. And I've done that before, and it's more like drip irritation. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, you know, the lines can block up and, um, you don't, you know, you're always fighting the drip tape. Um, it, it does work really well if, if it stays working properly. Um, but you, you kind of got to have the right setup for that. And I found it's just easier to, uh, to go with the overhead and I'm usually running my water in like a 300 gallon tank first. Um, maybe I'll mix some fertilizers in that tank and then overhead water it if I'm doing like a foliar feed or something like that. Um, so that works really well for that too. With any crop, I suppose also worrying about insects, diseases, are you constantly watching for that too, to see what you got going on? Yes. It's, uh, that as soon as you put that plant outside, you got to be on the ball with your insecticide program, um, the biggest thing is cucumber beetles. Um, you know, those that'll probably be your first flush, and you'll know as soon as you have them. And, you know, we usually use systemic um, insecticides on the plant, so that means um, the plant actually takes it up in its roots and it is in the plant. So, you know, a cucumber beetle bites it and then, you know, it dies. Um, so that's kind of the best way to do it. If you see them in there already and they're already chewing around, you know, you could be too late. Uh, it, you know, they spread a lot of disease and stuff like that. Um, so you, you really want to stay on top of your, your insecticide program. And I guess as far as diseases go, um, you know, basically control your insects is the biggest thing you can do. And, you know, crop rotation, um, uh, fungicides are also, you know, pretty important to get, get on at a timely, timely rate. Uh, you know, are you pump- doing it multiple times then or not? Yeah, usually like, um, as, as soon as I take my little hoop house off the plant, you know, I'll start my, my fungiciding and then, you know, every two weeks, maybe I'm applying at sure. low rates. 
Um, but, you know, powdery mildew is a pretty big factor. Um, if, if you don't control that, you'll see, see that take over pretty quick. But. I've seen on some pumpkin patches putting boards under them. Are you doing any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, I use uh, walking boards, so I don't want to compact. Like, we're checking on these things probably multiple times a day. So I use a lot of walking boards just around the patch where, where I'm stepping a lot and trying not to compact the soil around the plant. And then uh, we can kind of talk about underneath the pumpkin. Um, that's kind of a, an important thing to cover. Uh, so, you know, once you pollinate your pumpkin there in, in June, it – your soil sampling, fertilizer costs, um, you know, I would say those are probably somewhere in, you know, if you're competitive, you don't have to do this, but, you know, you can spend three, $400 real easy, um, you know, and your irrigation equipment, stuff like that. But I think that helps relate to everybody, though, that anybody can do this. It doesn't, it, you can make it whatever it is, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you can just grow a pumpkin to grow a 100-pounder or a 500-pounder. You don't need to do all this stuff. To, you don't have to be a real competitive grower to get 2,000 pounds. You know, you can, you can just set a goal and, you yeah. know, what it's, it, you can make it what you want kind of. Play around with it and get experience and I can see all that. Right. Doing different things. So, and kind of on the other side, like, if you really want to get carried away, there's stuff you can do, like, in a 30-by-30 30 30 area that, you can't really do on an acres of field, you know, right. so we, we can kind of try some stuff that wouldn't be economical on a cornfield, but for small scale growing a giant pumpkin, we can kind of, you know, try some different things. And, um, I know there's a lot, uh, information that's coming out on mycorrhiza fungi and some beneficial bacteria that, uh, we're kind of playing around with a little bit and inoculating and just, trying to really promote soil health. Mm -hmm. sure. And, you know, I think when we kind of get this symbiotic relationship with our beneficial bacteria and our mycorrhiza, we're really helping that plant with nutrient uptake. You know, it's kind of a trade-off, you know, those, those beneficial bacteria are saying, all right, you know, I'll give you this if you give me some of your root exudates and they kind of, you know, give that back and forth and I think that's kind of a key what we're starting to realize if if we can, you know, amplify those those uh, relationships that we're really starting to see a benefit in our plants and and water and nutrient uptake. Mm-hmm. So when you got it, so now kind of going back to where we got this thing's really just starting to get huge. What are your big worries or watchouts that you're focusing in on at that time? Kind of to almost like finish it off or 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 what is that? entail yeah so i mean when it starts putting on you know those those 40 45 pounds per day i mean it could split at any time sure. <laughs> you know we uh we y- you can't really control that you want it to be growing that fast and some pumpkins can handle it and some can't um it's just a little bit you know in the genetics and um, you know, you never know when you're going to walk out there and see a big split in it. It, it's, uh, it's just part of it. You know, if you're not blowing them, you're not growing them. <laughs> it's kind of a good way to put it though. I mean, so that happens then. Yeah. It's very common. I would say that under, I've, I've had pretty good luck, but usually under 50% of the pumpkins that you plan on growing actually make it to a way off. So it, 
by no means is if if you plant this, you've got a pumpkin. Sure. I mean, it's a uh, it's a gamble, and it sucks when it happens, but it also makes it more rewarding when you get one to the scale. That that in itself is an accomplishment. So, so how many are you usually doing then? I have went from six down to four, and now I only do two. Two. Yeah, it's just it it's it gets to be a lot of work, and you know we got a daughter now at home and. And with the farm, I was just like, you know what? I'd rather, you know, it, it, it gets to be too much if I did six. So I kind of started tapering down to two. And it actually has helped where, you know, I, I just focus all my time on those two. And it, it's kind of helped a little bit. I would see it, it's not really how many you plant, but just how well you take care of what sure. you got. So this pumpkin's X amount of pounds. Let's say we're, we're probably in the 1,500-pound mark. Do you... How do you decide when that pumpkin's done? Or are you just done because your weigh dates, you know, when you have to get it weighed? Or do you know that pumpkin's done growing? Yeah, so we, how we track the growth is we will measure these things every day. So you're probably like, well, how does he know it's growing 40 pounds a day? Well, we, we measure them. So we will take the circumference of the pumpkin. We will go over the top of the pumpkin so stem to blossom and then side to side. So we're taking those three measurements and we're adding the total inches from them. And then we have a chart. So many inches equals so many pounds. So we can kind of see, okay, you know, today it grew a lot or over the course of the week, it averaged this many pounds. Um, so, you know, we can kind of see if it's all sudden stopped growing or if it's still growing pretty good. Um, and we kind of track it that way. I mean, usually from pollination and then 90 days after is your window where you're really going to be putting on most of your weight. So that's mm -hmm. not very long no. to put on these kind of pounds. Um, it, it will still gain a little weight after that, but that, you know, those 90 days are kind of your, your, your zone. And, um, you know, wh when the wayoffs are approaching, you know, kind of based off when you pollinated and, you know, you get you start getting in that first week of September, and you're like, okay, is it still growing? Should I pick it? Um, you know, and you can also it's kind of what your goals. If if you're really you want the biggest one you can get, I mean, you you'll leave it on until you get that first killing frost, and and you'll gamble though. I mean, it's not always worth it leaving it on there. I mean, because once you start getting that cooler, damp weather, um, you know, in the fall. Uh, days get shorter, you know, a lot of things can go wrong there too. Rot kind of becomes more prevalent and, uh, maybe those extra 50 pounds aren't worth it. You know, it's kind of how, how much do you want to gamble? You know, yeah. how much do you want to tip the right. scale? Yeah. So now, so now let's say you're ready. You think you got what you, what you got. How are you getting this big thing <laughs> out of the garden or wherever you got it to, to take it where you need to? Yeah. That's uh, one of the nice things about, uh, being on an operating farm is we have equipment that we can use to get this thing out. Um, usually I'm using like a sky track, um, to, to pluck it out of the garden. Um, some guys will rig up, uh, you know, tripods out of like four by four or something mm -hmm. like that. But, uh, I'd say, you know, if you got some machinery or have a neighbor with a tractor, um, something like that is what you're going to want to use to pick it out. And then, we have kind of a special lifting device called a pumpkin ring. 
And it's basically like it sounds. It's just a ring, and we have straps. I think mine has six straps coming down um, the side of it. So they're just dangling down, and we put that over the top of the pumpkin, and then those straps have a hole in the bottom, and we run a choker rope around the bottom, and we cinch that tight because the bottom of the pumpkin is narrower than the sides, then it doesn't slip out. So it's kind of hard to describe it a little bit, but uh, that you know that's kind of the moment of truth. Then when you lift it up, I mean, it has happened where slings will break, or not to me, thank sure. gosh, but <laughs> it does happen where all of a sudden, you know, you lift it and you see a soft spot under the pumpkin or, um, you know, for me, usually every time I lift one up, I'll have a couple mice run out or something that made a little nest underneath, and you know they can chew holes in the bottom too. I mean, it, it's uh, so that's it, your big old boy moment if it's gonna yeah, work. If it's it, not. It's, you're definitely holding your breath, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know until you get that thing back down on a pallet um, where it's a little easier to move it, um, and on a trailer, do you kind of take a little breather and be like, okay, you know. Hard part's over. We got it on the trailer. We're, we're getting close here. So when it's on the trailer, do you want to get it to the way off as fast as possible? Or, I mean, is there does a pumpkin have the ability to lose weight between cutting or harvest and getting weighed? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't have a lot of knowledge on this, on how much it loses after you pick it, but I know you want to keep it pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, so most weigh-offs are on the weekend, usually on a Saturday um, I will harvest usually that Friday night before, um, and then I will leave probably two feet of vine coming off the stem of the pumpkin, and I will just put that in a bucket of water or something. Um, you would not believe how many times you will go to a way off, and the biggest pumpkin will be determined by a few pounds. So it's it's important to try to get every little sure. bit you can, yep. and, uh, you know, I have heard that they will lose weight um, after you pick them. I don't know how much, but like I said, every pound counts. Um, some people like to, you know, throw a wet blanket over it, you know, so it's not evaporating or, and stuff like that. But yeah, it it, uh, it all it all helps. Sure. So after after you get it weighed and you're kind of done with that part of it, are you going around town displaying it, or how are you showing this? Th- this big thing off. Yeah, so my goal is to get its picture taken as many times as possible. Sure. So, you know, at, usually once, uh, you know, we take it to a way off. Um, the big one I go to is um, the Cedarburg Wine and Harvest Festival. Um, that's usually one of the first way offs of the year. I actually help organize that one. And um, there's like 40,000 people a day that walk, walk past this way off. It's a huge festival. And, uh, you know, just try to get as much exposure as we can. And, uh, you know, there's people out there that see these giant pumpkins, think they're awesome, become a club member, and then the next year they're weighing pumpkins at the way off. So, cool. um, yeah, it's it's we're just trying to get it out there and let people see it and educate them about what it is. Are you uh, tracking its progress and putting it out there where anyone could see how it's going with you during the year? Or you- yeah, so um, – my uh, wife does a very good job of updating things on social media and kind of putting pictures up on what we do. Um, she 
our farm name is Airy Point Farms. Um, so we're on Facebook and Instagram, and she'll, you know, post pictures of when we're pollinating or, you know, when we're watering or, you know, just normal stuff we do um, and when we're picking it and kind of at the way off. Yeah, she awesome. does a good job of that. Well, this is almost this got me fired up to maybe even. Try I know. To put, I, nobody <laughs> try knows how much goes into this. I mean, and we haven't really talked about the sweat equity. I mean, we you kind of said it requires a lot of labor, but you haven't really said no, a, an mean, amount of time, and I don't think you can even put it into words. Probably how much time it yeah. takes. Yeah, you can't really. I mean, it's it's a little bit here and a little bit there, and you know, like on the weekend, if I have a little time, you know, burying the vines is one of the most labor intensive things, and the pruning. Um, and most of that happens, you know, in June, July, those are the two big months, but that's also when you're busy doing a lot of other stuff, you know, we're harvesting hay and, you know, everything that comes with the summer and being busy. And, uh, but you know, after August, you know, things kind of slow down and it's just trying to keep your plant healthy and monitoring. Um, but yeah, and then you can kind of enjoy your work a little bit and just watch it grow. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's a really rewarding ending just to see that. Make it on a scale and see the number. Just to right. see the number pop up is probably rewarding after all that effort. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, it's kind of all what your goals are and, um, you know, where you want to be. But just getting it to the scale is definitely a, a win in itself. Mm -hmm. Play a radio out there, don't you? <laughs> I do play a radio for myself, but uh, I've never tried to track its growth. Uh, oh, with with the radio, but uh, I do tuck them in every night and put a blanket over them. And uh, well, we always keep a blanket over just to protect it from sunburn and stuff like that. But I tuck them in at night. Um, <laughs> let's see what what kind of other things are that we do that are really weird. I always thought the radio was just plain to keep the pumpkins, you know, <laughs> thinking about growing. <laughs> yeah, I heard that keeps raccoons away and other critters. So <laughs> I suppose. Well, awesome. I think, I mean, I've, this kind of blew my mind on some of this stuff. I, I figured there's probably some intense management that would have to go in and get them that big, but it's kind of unbelievable. Yeah, it is. Yeah, some uh, some of the really big uh, questions we get, you know, when we go to these wayoffs and all these people are here, I think is, do you use milk to grow them that big? Have you guys ever heard that? I have not. I have not. Yeah, I, I don't know where that started, but a lot of, well, actually, I did hear the other day, this this last weekend that there must have been um, a little house on the prairie episode like way back, <laughs> then they must have shown him yeah. using milk to grow these pumpkins as big and that's the number one question I get everywhere I go is do you use milk do you IV them milk <laughs> so do you <laughs> I do not <laughs> I do not they, I, they like calcium yeah I yep. can say that but uh, I don't know if uh, directly IVing milk is the best way to <laughs> go about that and then. Usually, there's always a couple is, how many pumpkin pies does that make? And it's like, I've never personally eaten one before sure. from a giant pumpkin, but I don't think it would taste that good. Yeah. So when you're done for the year, you take this, you mentioned you take your seeds, so you gut it out, grab the seeds, then what do yep. you do with it then? Yep. So we'll do uh, seed harvesting, and that's kind of a process because the walls on these pumpkins can be like 14 inches thick. So it's usually a sawzall to get inside yep. of it to get sure. the seeds out. And then, uh, you know, harvest the seeds to, to give them to other growers or whoever wants one. And then, uh, you know, we'll just dis display it for a little while, maybe carve a face in it if we can. 
Um, but otherwise, it just kind of gets composted up and put back in the garden. Nice. Well, Derek, thanks very much for sharing um, <laughs> how to grow a big pumpkin. I, Like I said, it was floored me how much goes into this, and uh, really appreciate you coming by and talking to us both today. No, guys, I uh, really appreciate being here. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, it's anytime I can get information out there about pumpkins or anytime anyone wants to talk about pumpkins, I'm usually in. So, uh, no, thanks for having me.